Life Radio. We apologize for the technical difficulties, but we are back better than ever, and we are ready to have our first caller, Joy Beckerman. Uh, Arby, I don't know if you know Joy, but I got the opportunity to meet with Joy. Joy is on the line. She's gonna be. She, uh, we're gonna. We're gonna get her in here and here in a second. But Joy Beckerman, she has been involved in the hemp movement for over a quarter of a century. She is, uh, you know. She, She's a grassroots activist. I love that. Is what she calls herself. And she happens to uh, specialize in consulting uh, everything cannabis hemp related. And she actually sits on the National Board of Directors of Normal, which was founded in 1970. So Joy, I think we've got – do we have Joy that's that's called in now? Joy, can you hear us? Are you with us? I know it's four weeks of smoothness and technical difficulties all in one day. Beat. 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 Somebody, Arby, drop the beat. Arby, drop the beat. Nope, we got Joy's out. See, see, this is what happens. And you, you're taught we're having in, in, you know, conversations here about, wait till we get to DJ Arby, my friends. You don't understand the possibilities and the avenues that we're going to have once we get there. It's incredible. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. When we're talking about, you know, Liz Shapiro, we had DJ, we hit, actually DJ Re reached out to us yesterday on IM on Instagram, and he's, he's really excited to have us there. And you guys do an amazing job, and, and I don't want to take anything away from what you guys have been able to do because you guys have scrambled to get us to the position that we're in right now. But that was one of the things that, that's extremely important to us is, is making sure we have a great team. And and you guys work out of this facility and you guys grind every day and you guys, you know, put everything out there. The education from Evan, um, from Jeff, from Will, from yourself, Nasser and Jonathan. The fact is, is that we 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 need to get into that professional, um, you know what I'm saying, that studio. And that studio is going to be huge for us because the fact is, is that we're going to have a green room. Uh, they're building out our own studio, radio studio right there where we're going to be on terrestrial radio. So these things are going to be huge for our industry, for you guys, because you guys are, you know, you guys are us. You guys are part of our company. You guys have helped us build everything that we're building today. And, and I'm thankful for all that. You know what I'm saying? Because without you guys and everybody that's around us that continues to believe in what our mission is and what our vision is, um, it's it's uh it's flattering to be honest with you and 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 I really appreciate everything that you guys have done. Uh, so does so does my partners. So does everybody at the office. 
Um, we've been able to grow uh, just to 70 employees. We were on the phone yesterday with a company, um, and we were explaining, you know, why us? And uh, a lot of companies will say, well, why you guys? Um, and uh, we tell them why. You know, we're, we're family-based. Yep. Everybody in our office is family. We celebrate birthdays, which if Cheryl was, was listening, and I'm sure she is right now, mm-hmm. you know, she, she will tell you that, you know, one of the things that made her fall in love with the company when she first came into us is that she saw within about a week we, started, we were celebrating three birthdays in the warehouse. We were cutting three cakes. <laughs> you know, and she saw that and she realized that I want to be a part of that. Um, and we were blessed to have her. Um, her birthday's now. You know, she'll, she'll have some cake when we get back, when she gets back from her vacation. Uh, but the fact is, is that this is um, good, bad, or indifferent. We're, we're in an industry that's got a lot of hurdles and a lot we're of growing. Ups. We're it's, growing. It's, the industry's growing. Yes. Cannabis Life Radio is growing. Yes. Green Roads World is growing. And how we're, how we're able to grow so quickly is by having the support of so many different people. People like who we have calling in right now, Joy Beckerman and this scout. Joy, can you hear us, Joy? Sure can. Joy, good morning. You're on with uh, – it's Nasser here, and I've also got Arby Barroso. Arby, so great to meet you, and so thank you for having me on here. This thank you. Guys. Thank I, you for joining us. In. It's wonderful. Sorry for the technical difficulties, Joy, but now that we have you here, our viewers would love to know a little bit more about you. Like I had mentioned, Joy has been involved in the hemp movement for over a quarter of a century. She is she, – she, she knows she knows her stuff. Well, that's, Joy that's, knows her I've stuff. I've always said that women should dominate this industry. And I think, Joy, you're setting the standards for women to dominate this industry. It is a female plant, and it, you guys deserve all, all the accolade, uh, accolades and everything in this industry because I think you've done an, an amazing job. Uh, and, and being and being seeing that vision and being part of normal for so many years and, and really caring about uh, the end consumer and seeing that there's a different way uh, of uh, helping yourself an alternative way through cannabis is huge so i I, I applaud you and, and thank you for for setting the way and and, and opening up doors for for others to get in this industry because uh, i 'm sure it, it hasn 't been easy. Ah, no, you're, and, and what a wonderful segue. Boy, did you set me up well. <laughs> <laughs> I do my best. Uh, and, and I'll just start teaching right away because it's what I do. It's in my blood. The, the plant just speaks. What can I say? And, and for industrial hemp, it's not just the female plant, of course. It is both male and female in agricultural hemp for oil seed and, and fiber purposes. If we speak specifically about, you know, growing for cannabinoids, which is a fairly new thing in the in the uh, hemp industries, of course, we're talking about female plants, and it gets interesting when we talk about even cross-pollination concerns yep. between oilseed and fiber hemp and cannabinoid hemp, right? And, and just so folks know, while I have um, been a huge supporter of normal for, gee, now uh, 37 years or something wow. crazy like that, I'm sorry, 27 years, I was only recently elected to the board a little over a year ago, which is really one of the greatest honors of my life and amazing work um, that is going on with the normal having formed the help to form the cannabis caucus um, in Congress and just tremendous work being done in our offices uh, with our action calls. It's just incredible. The organization we've been able to hire um, political director, chapter director, our executive director, Eric Altieri, has taken the organization, just rocket shipped us into um, a, a, just a tremendous strategic plan that has been executed beautifully over the last year and a half. And of course, we have Dr. Paul Armentano. If marijuana is safer than alcohol, 
alcohol, why are we driving people to drink? Um, and he's just, where, whenever there is bad information and disinformation, Paul Armentano is on it with a pre-packed set of cited data to refute the insane, you know, claims, the NIMBYs in my backyard and, and the other hysteria. But, but industrial hemp is my major forte, and, and it's probably um, what you folks want to talk about more today. I mean, yeah, you're also the principal at, at Hemp Base International, and so I think that you've been able to provide a lot of education about industrial hemp law and specifically federal industrial hemp law and policy. And I, I'd love our viewers to hear a little bit uh, an update about some of those policies. Excellent, fantastic, and also very proud to be the president of the Hemp Industries Association, founded in 1994, our nation's brain trust. And so let's just go ahead and start, guys, because it's, it's pretty amazing. Uh, in 2014, we had this seismic shift, and I'm borrowing that term from the HIA's legal team, uh, Bob Hoban. We had a seismic shift in cannabis policy here as concerns industrial hemp, and that came with the Agricultural Act of 2014, which for short will call the Farm Bill. And this Section 7606, which is now codified in U.S. Code in 7 U.S.C. 5940, if, you're, if your uh, listeners are taking any notes here, because this is important, valuable stuff if you're looking to invest or looking to get into this, this versatile, valuable emerging crop here. And what it did was it defined two things. One of them is that it defined the term industrial hemp for the first time in U.S. history, thereby distinguishing it from marijuana. And because both are cannabis here, guys, I'm going to be using the term marijuana. It's a term I embrace. Its etymology is rooted in agriculture. And uh, and, it, and saying medical and adult use cannabis and sacramental cannabis is way too many syllables. So we just, <laughs> Marijuana like radio. We might have to change our name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no. Well, the problem good, is, is that we have this one trademarked. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. Don't you dare, brother. I have many, you know, very many folks feel very strongly, and it's people I love and respect and care about very much. It's just that when you're in the hemp world, none of that logic applies. Yeah. And on top, of, and on top of, and, but I respect it entirely. Um, and on top of it, of course, we're side note offending many of our Spanish-speaking brothers and sisters all, all along the world with this sort of new idea in popular uh, marijuana culture that marijuana is a bad word when really they don't understand it. it's a sacred word to them. What's happening with the hippies in America type thing? But that's a whole other conversation. So, so in any event, industrial hemp. Um, is defined, right? And it's defined as any part, and I want to underline and, and put that in all caps and all bold, any part of the plant, cannabis, sativa L, whether growing or not, that does not contain greater than 3.3% THC on a dry weight basis. Drop the mic. That's all it says. It doesn't say except the resins and isomers and compounds. <laughs> it doesn't say except the resins, isomers, compounds, salts, derivatives, all of that. It says any part, period. It also defined a term called agricultural pilot program. And that term is defined as to study the growth, cultivation, or marketing of industrial hemp. And it is a very short little amendment that basically says in states that allow the cultivation of hemp. So understand that it wasn't the Fed saying, yo, all 50 states, this applies to you. It says this applies to states that have passed legislation or through initiative of the people, the cultivation of hemp in those states, in 
institutions of higher learning and state departments of ag can now promulgate rules for these agricultural pilot programs. Again, the study of the growth, cultivation, or marketing of industrial hemp. And the actual name of Section 7606 within the Farm Bill was called the legitimacy of industrial hemp research. So you're hearing the word study, you're hearing the word research, and it's true that we are basically creating the market in many ways under this research um, umbrella, but it's a very responsible way to reintroduce the market because I know I get folks all the time that are like, research, me search, you know, we know everything you need to know about hemp, put a damn seed in the ground and watch it sprout and start making t-shirts, you know, and that is a <laughs> gross, that. <laughs> that is a gross and misguided uh, oversimplification. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> <laughs> It's a really gross and misguided oversimplification of the complexities of reintroducing this very wily crop in a multitude of different soils and climates when we had, you know, the these uh, special interests in the 1930s, again, the very ones who would want to take this word marijuana away from us, and I'm taking it right back from them right here on this radio show. Um, I will tell you that they uh, definitely um, didn't want this particular crop uh, back in the 30s, and we're still suffering from the the social taboo um, of the social engineering that went on uh, to destroy this crop. But in any event, basically, these because they took away not only the plant from us, but all knowledge of the plant they tried to take away also, we're really starting from scratch. And in fact, Canada, and I spent uh, two hours yesterday at the New York Farm Show with Cornell University and Morrisville State College presenting for folks and listening to all of their variety trials here in uh, New York State. And let me tell you, all kinds of varying results. And I listened to variety trial results from a multitude of states. We had 19 states. Uh, harvest and plant last year. 34 have passed some form of industrial hemp legislation, maybe even 35 right now. Um, and so these variety trials are all over the place as we reintroduce this crop. Now, we are learning a lot, and these state departments of ag and these institutions of higher learning and these wonderful farmers and, and entrepreneurs and business people that are taking advantage of this of this bill and this, yep. this authority, they're getting together and they're talking and we're learning quickly. But Absolutely. even in Canada, where they, where they have, you know, since 1998, um, been regulating this crop, they're still doing research there too. So it's dangerous for farmers and dangerous for investors. Oh, we're we're on the same boat. I mean, and yeah. thank you, Joy. You, I mean, you hit it right on the nose. I mean, we're we helped pass. Uh, we were one of the associates here in Florida to pass the SB seventeen twenty six uh, for the hemp bill and the pilot program here in Florida. They they wanted five years. They wanted to mm. literally put a pilot program for research for five years, which made absolutely no sense. So. We were lobbying all of last year, and uh, we're, we got it down from five years to two years. Um, and uh, th the only thing is, is they regulated it to two, to two universities, which is FAMU and UF. Um, we are uh, now pushing forward with the MOU for, for the University of Florida so we could start having seeds towards the end of the year. Um, and what we ended up having to do is literally take out the grants. Um, we had to push yes. the grant out because we knew if, we, if that got into Rick Scott's hands and he went to sign off on it um, and he saw money that was going to be, uh, you know, designated for this bill, um, he would have he vetoed it. 
So what we ended up doing is literally releasing um, any funding from state tax revenue picks up anything like that, um, and we were going to do the third party financing. So we're we're heavily on that side, and, and yes, now we're having to go and, and educate, and, and we're happy that that we were able to get the hemp bill gone uh, through. Only there was two votes negative against it uh, over from a hundred, so we knew that we had a clear path on this. But still, I mean, it takes so much time now. Uh, we got to show that it's not an invasive plant. There's a million things that go behind it, and and we just want to continue to grow this because the fact is is that it's going to add jobs. It's going to get people back to work. It's going to bring farming back to Florida, really, because the fact is that it's brought it back to all these states, the major states like Kentucky's. It's it's amazing what the it, hemp's been able to do, uh, and and the whole plant is amazing. We're I mean I had a dispensary. I had a I had a. Uh, a, a hydroponic store. We had an 18,000 square foot grow. And I saw the possibilities of the hemp side being so much bigger because now you're touching every individual. And what we need to do is the education's huge. I mean, our guys were with Dr. Uma, uh, Cheryl, as you know, is always uh, going around and we're always trying to get educated so we could educate our legislators on what the possibilities are uh, with this type of plant when it comes from hemp. Um, so, so absolutely, I applaud you for for being in the forefront, for dedicating and being part of Normal for 27 years. That's absolutely amazing. Your energy is absolutely off the charts, which is great because that's so important when you're when you're having to put as many hours as I'm sure that you're putting in to get this business and to get these things moving forward. No, thank you. And, and again, um, Hemp Industries Association, I just, in terms of hemp legislation for normal, we are a consumer rights marijuana group um, and, and not related at all to industrial hemp legislation. Of course, normal supports industrial hemp, but very respectfully over the years has allowed, of course, the Hemp Industries Association and then Vote Hemp, you know, to take on hemp legislative matters. And, and that's also something that's very important even to the federal legislators that the group stay separate. There's a lot of paranoia right now over Oh, yeah. marijuana groups getting into hemp bills we, and hemp bills getting oh, yeah. into marijuana oh, yeah. bills. We so, went through so, that. Let me Go ahead. Yeah, I'm sure you did, but let me continue if I could, if you don't mind. Go ahead. I, do Go ahead. Wanna, I wanna use our valuable time here to update folks on federal industrial hemp policy. It's very important to understand the, the intricacies of it. So. And so when we say research, understand that research, I was actually saying it's a good thing, not a bad thing. I was actually, so I do want to make that clear. It is very good. And on top of it, there are tremendous federal protections that come with state laws that are in compliance with this research bill, which you may, it, it sounds like it's possible you're not aware of them. And most people aren't, legislators aren't. So it's really important to know you won't get a CSIEA permit, a Controlled Substance Import and Export Act permit. There's an entire act separate from the Controlled Substances Act called the Controlled Substances Import and Export Act. And if you're going to import a controlled substance, such as a, God forbid, viable hemp seed, you need to have this permit, right? Well, the DEA is not going to issue that to you if your state is not in compliance with the Farm Bill. And the DEA has no problem then granting these permits to Kentucky, to Colorado, to uh, New York, the states that they know full well. So you have to be registered and certified by your state. You have to be, yes, indeed, in order to get, and it's usually actually either the Institution of Higher Education or the Department of Ag that gets that permit, and then you have an MOU or a license from, you have either have an MOU with the university or you have a license or registration. Yeah, uh, you got to have the State MOU. Department of Ag. Yeah, we have, yes, we have or, the MOU. Or, 
Yes, or the license. So what's, what's important to know is that, however, two and a half years after the Farm Bill came out and was signed into law by Obama, which was February of 2014, in August of 2016, the DEA, the USDA, and the FDA came out with something called a joint statement of principles. And let's all take a moment to laugh. A joint statement <laughs> of principles. So in any of so, and the bastards, of course, completely butchered the legislative intent of yeah. the farm bill and and in their usual arrogance their unbelievable infuriating arrogance said hey that definition of industrial hemp there that's funny that you thought you were going to be able to do that because this is the real definition of industrial hemp and it includes derivatives compounds salts isomers and resins and so and by the way this studying and marketing of hemp you're not allowed to do that. No commercial transactions under this. No, no, no. And no crossing of state lines. And definitely no viable seeds crossing state lines or clones or raw plants. Absolutely not. And on top of that, if you thought that you were going to somehow skirt the Controlled Substances Act and start messing around with extracts instead of just oil, seed, and fiber, you're totally wrong. Now, obviously, I'm paraphrasing, but it's printed in the Federal Register. So the Hemp Industries Association, multiple legislators, including Mitch McConnell, who folks might be shocked to understand, is a hemp hero. He is, uh, he is from Kentucky um, and really wants to bring that crop back to his state. So the Kentucky Department of Ag, the University of Kentucky, Professor David Williams, one of our nation's leading researchers on hemp-derived cannabinoids, uh, Rand Paul and 16 other federal legislators all sent letters yeah. to the DEA, USDA, protesting. Uh, and they were impassioned, unbelievably uh, articulate letters, really demonstrating, believe it or not, a full command of some of these issues. And they said, hey, and they're multi-page long. Hey, we want clarification on this. The intent was absolutely for cannabinoids. The intent was absolutely for a commercial uh, um, transaction. And the intent absolutely was to liberate any part of the plant. And we started, it's important that I tell the listeners that Section 7606 begins with the glorious words, notwithstanding the Controlled Substances Act, meaning not subject to. So in any event, they push back. Nobody hears back, none of these legislators, the Department of Ag of Kentucky, nobody really hears back until two months, three months, four months later, when the DEA finalizes something called the marijuana extract rule. They find that it had been in a proposed state since July of 2011. And in August 2012, a lot of people don't know that DEA Form 225, which is to register uh, if you're conducting business with a controlled substance. And by the way, by conducting business, it means import, export, research, manufacture, distributing. In August of 2012, they add the word willy-nilly. No act of Congress, no judge telling them to do it, just on their own, the arrogant DEA adds the word cannabidiol to their list of Schedule One controlled substances on that form. That's when they revised it, August 2012, and put some willy-nilly drug code number on it. Well, then the Farm Bill comes along in 2014, 2016, they do this ridiculous statement of principles. Everybody pushes back. We want clarification. What are you talking about? This is what the Farm Bill was supposed to do. In answer to all of that, they say, boom, here's the marijuana extract rule there by sticking both of their middle fingers up at everybody and saying, this is what marijuana extract means. It means, quote, one or more cannabinoids derived from the genus cannabis. They don't say anything about above 0.3. They don't say anything about below 0.3. And so what does the Hemp Industries Association do? We immediately file suit. As soon as that, law, uh, that rule went into effect on January 13th, 
and we filed suit in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. We have beat the DEA twice. A lot of folks in, in the medical and adult use cannabis industry don't know the history of the Hemp Industries Association in the beginning, which we were founded in 94, and we'd really started to gain some traction, right? Dr. Bronner started to put hemp seed oil in his soap, um, in their soap in 1997. Nutiva, hemp seed company and hemp raw material company, they started to get stuff on the shelves for us, and the DEA was not having that. So in 2001, they put forth an interim rule. Now, if you weren't in the hemp industries, it would have all gone on behind. You wouldn't have noticed it, but they put forth in an interim rule that was going to make cold pressed hemp seed oil or pressed hemp seed oil and basically sterilize seeds that were being used in hemp food at the time and still are devitalized seeds, schedule one yeah. controlled substances. And they were going to apply a drug code to it. Exactly what just happened just now. They already did that to us and they tried to do it just with our freaking oil and sterilized seeds. And we filed our suits then and they're actually very, they're very famous cases in the cannabis uh, you know, law policy world because we beat them twice. They're called hemp one and hemp two or HIA one and HIA two. And they just did the same thing to us again with this marijuana extract, but they really did it in your face because they did it after the farm bill, which had defined industrial hemp. Yep. And they did it almost directly in response to these these pushbacks and these in these impassioned letters for clarification from the very federal legislators who drafted those bills. So then subsequently in the in the uh, Consolidated Appropriations Act bills, which probably from a medical um, cannabis perspective, you're well familiar with because it's these appropriations bills, of course, that have the little sections that say the DOJ cannot use these funds you know, to uh, prosecute good actors in medical cannabis, medical marijuana. So it's got some of the stipulations. Yes, exactly. Well, guess what? In 2015, 16, and 17, they added those in for hemp, but it it grew. The protections grew in 2017 where the federal legislators were like, really? Well, if you're going to play like that, DEA, then we're going to put this into the omnibus bill. And it says that no funds made available by that, by that act can be used a, in contravention of Section 7606, but this was the new part because it had said that in 2015. This is the new part. And then it said, or to prohibit the transportation, sale, processing, or use of industrial hemp grown in accordance with Section 7606 of the Farm Bill, whether inside or outside of the state that it is grown. This was amazing that this became law. I was like, I couldn't believe that this wow. got written into law. And again in 2017, but I want you to know, the DEA continues to protest and push back on all of that. And we just had oral argument in our case, HIA versus DEA, yep. um, in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals on the 15th of February. I mean, it's uh, a week ago Yeah, we yesterday. had Cheryl Murray Powell there. Actually, she had flown out to Frisco on that. So they, she was there with Hoban. Uh, I'm sure that you were there also. So we, we were definitely our, uh, there. Arby, are you kidding me? There were very few people there at all. Cheryl, I was – it was the – like to see her face in that empty courtroom, I cannot tell you how filled with warmth. <laughs> we, we will not go. If they're going after this industry, we will be in their face to do so and fight back and get them and get them educated. So Cheryl got on that flight and went that way. Our other guys with with Jose Belen to New York. So we we this is this is one of my frustrations again, Joy. And and you had an amazing explanation, which I'd like to put. Uh, obviously, I'll have our guys. Put that on Facebook so people get get more educated. The fact is, is that is that nobody paid attention to it, and it and it. We've been fighting this fight now for five and a half, six years. 
Um, so we know on this, that December 16th or 14th of 2016, you know, we continue to push and hope to educate, you know, the consumer to make sure that this does not just allow them to do whatever the hell they want and eliminate an amazing plant and something that everybody should have. We should have full access. They should not continue to put these roadblocks and, and, and these hurdles uh, in this industry, and especially on hemp. Obviously, we'll continue to fight for, for, for cannabis. We're at 29 states. Hopefully, before the end of this voting year, we'll be past 40. So, so I appreciate the fact that, that you're there. I mean, we weren't, we weren't not going to not send somebody there. It was either going to be me or Cheryl, and Cheryl's the attorney, so we had it there. I mean, Bob was the first one that sold me my license in 2008, 2009 when I bought my dispensary. So figure that out. I mean, I deal, I deal with David Kotler. I was in Boulder. I mean, we got our license uh, uh, that uh, for can- uh, medical. Uh, at, we were at 1450 South Santa Fe um, in, 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 uh, in Denver. So I, I, we've, I've been inside this industry now for about 11 or 12 years uh, pushing forward. And I just kind of moved over to the hemp CBD side uh, just because I got tired and I just wanted to get back to Florida because it, it was just really taking a beating on me. So, so mm-hmm. that's, that's why we're doing what we're doing. And people like yourself. Being the really- first man in, being the first man in, like it sounds like you have been. Yep. Since the, the, is, you know, talk about be, thank you, brother. It's literally like being a soldier. I mean, front line and the moving target and the gauntlet of changing regulation and law and then as if what's written down isn't hard enough for you to have to follow um the different enforcement officers are enforcing it yeah it's so crazy i mean we're we're, (laughs) we're making our we're making like what we called cheryl myself the tour like we're indiana with sean pickens we got we got the governor on the hp 1214 to literally come out they passed the law uh we're waiting for him to sign it so we could they allow cbd industrial commercial or agricultural uh allowed in indiana we're taking a flight now in the, for nebraska because they, what ended up happening in nebraska iowa tennessee uh, oh. Carolina, Texas. We're literally getting on flights and going and speaking to these legislators, talking to the Department of Health. We had we did a show uh, about three weeks ago called Canna East uh, Compliance Conference, which was all cannabis. You had Christian Backs. You had everybody and their mother that was there. We even actually had the Department of Health from Iowa there. And, uh, and now we are reaching out to them. They're reaching out to us for guidance. So we, we are heavily involved. We're not just sitting around saying, oh, let them do what they want to do. Absolutely not. What we're doing is trying to we're, – we're facing them. We're sitting down That's with the them. Message. We're educating them. And, and if, if, if they're not educated, we will spend a day, two days, making sure that they understand the fact that this is not going to stop and that we're going to continue to move forward as long as it's done accordingly because we both know – I mean I've been in the industry since 2012. Uh, when when I got in the industry with my partner, Laura Baldwin Fuentes, and she's a pharmacist, there was only three other companies. I mean, and they were all together. Cannabis, uh, Dixie Elixirs, Phosphere, Hemp Meds, all these guys. It was all pretty much one company. Um, now you have 1,500, 1,000 CBD companies, and they're really not taking the time because this is a consumable product. It's not – you need THC on certain parts. You need certain things to take, uh, you know, whether it's the pain side. You know, that's why we have medical or that's why we have rec because people are able to get off opiates. But the CBD side could end up being a completely – a nutrition, you know, like Switzerland is going to sooner or later in Switzerland, you're going to watch. They're going to be giving and dosing every single one of of the people that live in their country because they see the benefits of, um, and, and of, of that. Wellness. Exactly. Absolutely. General wellness. And I think 
I think that's, and, and you're obviously sophisticated enough, but I'll take a moment to just seize for the rest of our listeners who are, are maybe just getting their feet wet into these sort of intricacies of, of this developing law and policy internationally, nationally, and on state levels. And that is, let's say the T and the M, the therapy and the, me- and the medicine, as I like to say it, let's put that over to medical and adult use cannabis. And for hemp guys, we really need to stick with general wellness. It's safe. Yep. It's effective. It doesn't have side effects and general wellness. Otherwise, guys, we're going to end up with a rescheduling, and we don't need that, and we don't want that, and neither does freaking marijuana. No, we'll fight all. that, We and we will fight that all the way because the last thing that we need is there was a bill that was just put in yesterday by a senator that they want to schedule cannabis as a three. I mean, that is the worst Thing that could ever happen in our industry because the fact is is that they're just going to hand that over to the pharmacies that's killed thousands 40 50 60 thousand people we've got an, a heroin epidemic that's going on right now and it's all due to the opiate addiction and then purdue comes out and says well we're going to cut back nine million dollars in marketing material well no you should be you should be paying billions of dollars for helping these families and helping and creating an, a, a uh, basically a rehab facility, just like tobacco companies had to uh, build a $50 million facility to show how tobacco was addicting and everything else, all the chemicals they put in it. We need to force these big Johnson & Johnsons, Purdue's, and all these to flip the bill because we should not be flipping the bill for what they've caused. And we are flipping the bill. We got Florida that we got $50 million in there. Maryland put 57 or $60 million into research. Research is a bunch of ho- – I'm not going to use – you're a young lady, so I'm just going to say no, – I'm going to say manure. I'm going to say manure because the fact is is that they've caused this and they know they have. And what they should be doing is that they should be causing – they should be they doing having a resolution to this problem, okay? Because every day we have so many people that die – uh, due to opiate epidemic, and then you have heroin that's that's shot through the roof because of all these issues with this type and of drug. fentanyl, let's not even get into. Oh, let's not even get on. into the synthetic and the fentanyls oh and everything else that they're God. doing. So it, it's it's and crazy. That, and that's sort of why, also for industrial hemp. So then, what a solution is? While we they gave us this little pathway to start learning and building infrastructure, a hole big enough to uh, for us to start doing thousands and thousands of acres. And I want you to know that we went from like 12,000 something acres in 2016 to like 25,744 acres in 2017. Congratulations. This wow. is America. This is America taking advantage. And I want you to know that in Canada, just to give you sort of a perspective here, they started regulating in 1998 and they are still regulating under Health Canada, not the Ministry of Agriculture. It's the it's Health Canada, Office of Controlled Substances that regulates the hemp program. And just like the state of Washington, the entire country of Canada is still not allowed to extract anything from hemp. So all of that biomass, the flowering tops, leaves, resins, they're all left on farm as waste. Only the stock and the seed may be processed. But getting back to acreage, they started in 1998. In 2016, they were at 88,000 acres. And in 2017, they were at 123,000 acres, which was the largest jump. But we've, we're at 25,744 in year two. We're taking this. But if we go back to how do we get out of this research bubble that we're in right now? And again, 
that CSIA permit was only one of the many benefits. We're going to get into uh, water rights issues, banking issues, all kinds of benefits that come with um, and a bill access to various research funds from NIFA, which is the National Institute of Food and Agriculture. Um, there's all kinds of benefits that come with it. But and we're grateful that we got to start here. But yeah. what we really are depending on is the Industrial Hemp Farming Act to pass, which in the House and I have some bad news about it right now. Uh, it, it was been refiled in the House since 2005 every single year. And then we started to get a sister Senate bill in 2013, all very promising. And it was a very simple bill, basically with the exact same definition of industrial hemp as in the farm bill. And it, and it defines it and removes it from the Controlled Substances Act, right? It was easy as pie for all those years. That would... <laughs> this, this year, unfortunately, in this session, in this Congress, the 115th, it changed. And, you know, I'm grateful on some level, I guess, for I think there was a strategy that perhaps if they got uh, Goodlatte's buy in on it, and I guess he's on the Justice Committee, um, that that would be a good thing. But the bill completely changed, you guys. It went from like one and a half pages double spaced to four pages of BS, including a definition for industrial hemp that's like a ridiculous paragraph long with multiple subparts that essentially boils it down to states like if if your state is allowing it then this is what will define it in your state it's it's attorney general oversight That's crazy though that, mean, that makes no damn sense oh my god it's just going to end and it even references the freaking fda at the end like it turned into four pages of bullshit and pardon me and then on the <laughs> senate side we're waiting for the senate bill to come out and we think that one's going to be much different well we're going to be god. we're going to be up in washington there's yeah. <laughs> Again, we're 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 here, uh, you know, lobbying for the hemp bill here in Florida. We were able, God bless, to get it passed. I mean, we're only able to do research with two universities. We'll hopefully have seeds at the end of of this year. Um, so we're definitely going to stay in contact. I, I'm going to definitely. Uh, we got Jose Belen in the studio, so we're going to go out to him. Um, Joy, thank you so much for for joining us. I definitely want to get you on the phone um, outside, uh, get you know, exchange numbers, and then we, we got to talk a lot more. We got to we'll, get Joy we'll to get Miami you somehow because you're extremely educated, and I just want to make sure um, that you know what you're vision and what your roadmap looks like um we could kind of patch it in to what what our road back roadblock uh road looks like so we can make sure to to get this out to to everybody so i appreciate you taking the time today i really do most important thing, brother, thank you, both of you and uh, your entire organizations for engaging in the process. People are not changed by your opinion. People are changed by your example and the work that you do. And you're doing amazing work thank flying you. around, thank dealing you. with us. Thank, thank you. you. Engaging in the process. We'll talk soon, guys. Thank thanks you, Joy. Enjoy. Enjoy. Where can our viewers find you? Ah, thanks so much for asking. Hempace.com, like the ace of hemp, H-E-M-P-A-C-E.com. Thanks, guys. Joy, Thank really you, Joy. appreciate, appreciate you coming it. on, Big and we'll be talking to you. to you sometime very soon. Beautiful. Job blast. Joy, wow. she was awesome. I love it. I told you. I, I told it. you she I was it. awesome. She's well-educated. She's, She's communicating. And she, and, and she really has a good understanding of industrial hemp. She's looking at the huge picture. I mean, even in our, our conversations the other day, she's telling me how she wants, just like anybody in our space, they Listen, wanted, industrial hemp can be used for any, anything and everything, and that's what she's pushing. It's an outlet to, to 50,000 different types of products. Um, we could eliminate plastic. We could build homes. 
We could do so many. We could do beddings. We could do food. There's just it's it's an endless opportunity. So let's let's go to break real quick. We got the amazing man from Mission Zero here, Jose Belen. Right. That's right. And uh, let's bring him on here. We're gonna probably go over the twelve o'clock session here. We're, we have to go a little bit over because when we get back from this commercial break, we've got Bada Jose Belen. We got Jose Belen. Uh, and Jose is the United States Army combat veteran, and he's one of the five advocates suing Jeff Sessions and the D. EA over marijuana schedule one status. They just did a huge article on him on herb. I mean, who, you guys didn't, who that. didn't do an article guys, on this guy? You guys check that out. I mean, the latest one while he was in New York with him and his beautiful wife and his family. I uh, think go after to the herb. commercial break, co. actually, I think after the commercial break, we're going to show some of these videos here live. Oh, you are? I think so. Oh, wow. If you, you want it, you, I want it. I want it. Okay, maybe the, right. if the viewers want it, they're going to get it so let's do right it. after this commercial right, break. Take it easy. Don't mind. 
cards no mean shit to me All this time it was not about the money And listen me honey I'm where I'm supposed to be Life Radio. I am Nasser Al Mula alongside Arby Barroso. Yes, and we've got an in studio guest. We've got someone very special, very special to the cannabis community, to the CBD community, to to the military community. Jose Belen, United States Army combat veteran, founder of Mission Zero, which is an organization dedicated to ending veteran suicide. And he is also one of the five advocates suing Jeff Sessions and the DEA over marijuana's Schedule One status. Jose. Thank you for joining us, brother. Thank you definitely for joining us. Well, thank you guys, man, for having me. 
what do you call it? Uh, I know that you're out in uh, in New York. I know that uh, you know we've we've met and we're just telling uh, some of the guys a story that we met out in Jamaica. Yeah. Uh, really, uh, start you know we're we're at a party. You know everybody's having conversations and we had them getting stuck a little bit on top over the hill, kind of looking yeah. at where everybody was at. Yeah. And and um, you really started sharing your story to to, to me and yeah. and uh, that was really 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 cool. On, on what you're doing and and I respect all my veterans and I thank you for our ser- for your service. Um, how do you feel today compared to the way you felt that day? Because I know that that day, um, you know, I can almost see it in your eyes that you were still fighting, you know, uh, you know, a couple demons. Uh, yeah. But but I see you better today. I see you. I think I think you're getting to the point where uh, you you look comfortable. Um, I, I think uh, what you're doing is uh, extraordinary. Um, helping others, and I think that's something that we're definitely going to be bringing to the table in the near future. Uh, one of the things that we want to do, and we'll get a little bit more into that, into this a little bit farther in the show. Today we'll be running over our time, and, and uh, well-deserved. Uh, we definitely run over our time Thank for you. somebody like no. yourself. Um, what got you started? When did you serve uh, for our military? And, and you know, give the listeners a little bit of a background on... on <clears throat> You know, what brought you here, or God bless that you still are here. Amen. Um, Well, when uh, September 11th happened, you know, I was born in Manhattan. Um, You know, there was no compromise there. I was going to fight, you know, for the country and everyone here. So I enlisted right after high school, Um, was part of the initial invasion into Iraq in the spring of 2003. Um, I'm a field artillery soldier, 1st Armored Division and our division was tasked to secure Baghdad. Um, you know, I got to Iraq when I was 20, left when I was 22. Um, to make it simple, as a field artillery soldier, you're there to really seek and destroy the enemy um, and just kill. And so that's what you do. The objective is to kill. Uh, yeah, it's artillery. You know, if our infantry guys are hurting, you know, you're going to get hit with 155. You know, wow! Yeah, so that's that's what you trained for, you know. That's that's what you trained for when you're there. So that psychologically, right off the beginning, right. uh, people talk about PTSD and and stuff like that, and whether it's a car accident or something happened. But I mean, you guys are going through training to literally go there and kill. So yeah. that that mentally, uh, I don't care what type of training you have, um, mentally that that's got to start taking a toll. Um, once you start taking that forward because you're going to see people, you know, basically die. You're there either where you kill them or, God forbid, you know, you, you, you lose one of your friends or, you know, one of your family members because that's what you call you guys. You guys are like a family when you guys are out there. Well, that's the thing. <clears throat> In combat, uh, you don't have time to cry. You don't have time for emotions. You know, within minutes of crossing into Iraq on a 50 cal, I have a school of children running at me. You know, and if it had to be done, I would have to do my job, you know, to ensure the safety and security of my team. Wow. And this is a 50 cal, you know. Imagine what it would do by the grace of God they didn't pose a threat. But at that time, you know, it's it's over. You're so you turn into a werewolf. Um, you got to turn that switch, and that switch is, it's, over. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah, because you have to be ice cold. I mean, I had children die in front of me, you know, and... As two soldiers are crying, I'm, you know, telling them, stop fucking crying. This ain't the Boy Scouts. Meanwhile, we're, you know, watching her get her eyes closed. You're on a mission. Yeah, and it's like, I'll deal with that later. I'll deal with that later. You you know, almost being shot by a sniper. My best friend getting killed 
with my lieutenant right before Christmas. All that and stuff. I, and, 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 and I'm going to dig a little deeper just because I know that, um, and I asked you for permission to yeah. do so. Um, how does that, I mean, people don't understand it, and this is what I really want to talk about a little bit is because people don't understand um, why you've turned to cannabis, and I want right. to kind of want to paint that picture of why you, you did turn to cannabis and why that saved their, basically saved your life. Um, you're, you're in a mission, something happens, uh, you have a sniper, takes out one of your friends. You just said right now you have no time to cry. Nope. Basically, you just got to continue with your mission. Yeah. How, does, how did that transform you uh, or, or do you have a time to think where it may transform you or you don't have time to think at all? Um, it's just, it's part of the warrior, you know, spirit, you know, it, um, it's just an inherent prime, primal reaction that, you know, if the warrior spirit is born within you, you just understand what you have to do. And it's at a moment's notice, you see what happens, you see a charred body right there, big deal, you're in combat, you know, because you also understand that that may be you and find humility in that. You know, I, it's one thing to say, say you know i'm willing to give my life for you Correct. for you but it's another thing to really give your life on the battlefield to where i was totally okay with that and i meant it um i just asked to not suffer um so while you're there you're you're you know you're sacrificing mm -hmm. your life your right. time with one mission to yeah. take lives are you using cannabis at this time no no this is uh you know when you swear an oath to the country you have rules honorable rules you yeah. have to abide so by. So you weren't allowed to at this time? No, and it was just an honorable, I mean, you just don't do that. There's no compromise in that. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. But but just imagine the fact of, so take us on to, as you move forward, how yeah. long how long were you uh, in Iraq? Mm -hmm. I know you, you did, you were sent back a bunch of times. We've had that conversation. Right. So, so you, you get, take us through that first day or that first week, and then I'm, I want to really get into like how you actually you know, you got to go back. You know, you come back, cool. see your family, and then you got to go back again. So that preparation and that time of, like, not being there and having to know that you need to – you're there just basically to take over the territory or kill. Wow. Um, and then all of a sudden you got a week off, and then, I mean, I'm pretty sure a lot of people have to soak on that. Well, that's the thing. I never got that week off. I had to watch everyone in my battery go home really? because I was single and had no dependents. So what would happen is – oh, hey, you're going home to see your family for the two weeks on our back to New York. I'd call home, call my mother, say, hey, they'd start preparations. And a couple of days later, hey, Belen, sorry, Sergeant such and such is going to go in your place. You'll go next time. That happened to me about three times. And then on the last time, you know, they gave it to the sergeant, but with the ability for him to give it back to me. Um, or else I wasn't going to go home until we all went back, which we understood. How did that happen? I mean, I don't get that. Wait, 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 wait. You had family here? Yeah. How did, they, how did, you, not ha how did you not get back? Because they said I was single. I had no kids, and these men were married. With he had less family than wow. other people that, that he was fighting with, so he didn't get the opportunity to go and right. visit those family members because he had less family than that, others. That's, that's wow. absolutely yeah. absurd. Well, that's, that's, sad. that's savage, but that's the military, and it's understood. You know. So the, the last time they gave it to the sergeant and said, hey, he can give it back to you, you know, he looked at me and he said he was sorry. You know, and I told him, I said, you know, if I die within these two weeks, you're back home. You know, you better call my mom and tell her she could have seen her son again. And, you know, I was in war, you know, because at that point they cut it off. They said, you're not going home at all until we all go home. 
And that was like the last bit of humanity I had left of emotion. They basically bled you out on yeah, that, was and that's it. Yeah, because so by it's... then, all my guys, you know, had died. You know, I'd been there for a number of months, so I was like, whatever. So that's why the 14 consecutive months, um, you know, are so pivotal because when it finally – because we got extended past our year mark, um, you know, so I was a year plus, and then finally when the day came, you know, for the announcement that we're all coming home – everyone's hugging and crying and shit and i'm just standing there and i remember the sergeant he's like are you okay and i was like whatever man no i actually emotion. cried leaving baghdad i didn't want to leave because you have to assimilate you know it's like if you get dropped off in the jungle you better figure out a way to turn yeah. in the cars in or else wow. you're gonna die wow. combat same thing you better so you assimilate and so when it came time to leave i didn't give a shit and that's so i remember flying back over germany and everyone's festive didn't care you know, everyone has their family there because it's Germany. I had no family to come home to, no friends. So you're, you're at this point in time, you're 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 literally almost a, a perfect candidate for PTSD, oh. for 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 really not giving a crap about anything else, but just doing what you had been doing previously. Well, I can identify the incidents that gave me PTSD. You know, just the simple fact that I was, for the sake of what I have to do, the oath, you know, I have yeah, to take out take. a bunch of children. I mean, Which I respect that. I mean, obviously, not, there, there's things that are going on that mm -hmm. need to get done. But the fact right. is, is that the people that do it, you know, that's honorable. Well, and it's, it, this isn't a sob story. That's what's so important. You know, I don't ever want someone to feel sorry for me. Don't cry for me. Because I do it again, change nothing. If there was a war today, you'd see me leading the charge. This has everything to do with translating what other veterans who end their life go through because it just, those situations multiplied by how many other hundreds in combat just become, you know, too much. And that's the importance of cannabis. And I was reading last night because I know you were going to be with us. And, and I, I know you know your story. Um, we, we've had long conversations, but... Uh, just to, just to think, uh, you know, the time that you've had to go there, um, the sacrifices that, you know, uh, of 20 to 22 veterans, you know, taking their lives on a daily basis. Right. That's, that's to me, I, I can't even wrap my head around that. It's almost like uh, our opiate epidemic where 40, 45,000 people are dying a year right. and nobody's paying attention to it. it. It's crazy to me that that many veterans are taking their lives every day. Yep. And, and we've stood on the same ground we want to make sure that they have access yeah. to something different yeah. um than the medications that they had provided to you right. um and i was reading a little bit about uh the medications that they provided to you and, and how it would change you uh drastically mm -hmm. um you want to tell the people like how when you get back you're done you know you're not going back uh, uh back to the war um you get back to daily life you had a great you know you, you had a great job you had amazing things going on in your life you married you know you got your wife your beautiful child um when do you start seeing the difference um when you're i mean because you were you were well off it's not like you're you know god forbid like some of our veterans are in the street or homeless right um but but you were able to pick up your life you you know and, and continue to move forward and and get into a business where did you start seeing that change where where it started becoming very difficult for you and your family um well you know you're different you know but you normalize it in you know combat when you come home you know and my persistence and my drive actually comes back to a battlefield promise that I made with the Lord. Um, I don't think I've ever told this publicly, but once I was there for so long, 
um, you know, I was uh, going to re-enlist to or um, re-enlist to go special forces to, you know, hopefully become a Green Beret. It was offered, but uh, I decided against that. And when I made that decision, I looked to the sky and I just said, Lord, if you give me life, because I didn't know how much longer I was going to be there. But I said, Lord, if you give me life, if you let me live, I'll get out and I'll do two things. You know, I'll work until my hands bleed and I'll do good in this world. Nice. And so any time I've been at the point where the pistol's there, you know, even I'm making fifteen, twenty thousand dollars a month, you know, um, I'd always remember what I asked and he gave it. And then so I can't do that because I'll be, you know, I'll give up on the hope that all my other brothers and sister have. You know, those ones that are there today. There's some listeners I know. They're there today. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's like, no, come off. I'm here, come off. You can come off and, and grow to this point because I'm here to help you get that, to huge. the top. That's huge. And, and I know it hasn't been easy. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we we won't get on the radio too much about that because I don't like sharing a story. We, we, we spoke in right. confidence. Uh, but but how you come back home, mm -hmm. um, you start going in that direction, and then uh, obviously you have a family at home. When did when did Danielle, which is your your, your wife, mm -hmm. start recognizing that there is there is an issue? Um, <clears throat> we talk about this all the time. You know, her and I just when we talk about things, and I did my best to hide it in the beginning. I remember I, I wasn't. I, I didn't talk about the war. She, you know, I told her I was a vet, combat vet, um, but I was afraid of the judgment, you know, that she would have or the fear. Um, and she says it, it took some time, um, but once, um, you know, she could see the mood swings or the nightmares, for example, there were times I woke up in the middle of the night, kind of scream and stuff like that. Um, so it was pretty early on, and uh, that's what that's what makes us such a powerful couple together is that. The struggle was real then, it's still real now, but um, she understood it and still understands it, and I understand her, and so, you know, I think just from the beginning she understood there was something wrong. And and how far how far um, down the road did, did you start really going in that direction where obviously that creates all kinds of different problems in, in, in your home? Um, right. and, and did she know that you were going to start medicating, or were you medic medicating at the time where it, it made you feel better? Or, or, you know, like anybody else, everybody goes through rough patches. Was there a point in time where she's like, I can't deal with this anymore, I'm, I'm done? Um, the hard thing for a veteran, you're given essentially three options when you come home. <clears throat> if you have PTSD, go to the therapy at the VA and get the medications that are legal to you. Those medicines do like they do to me and give me more suicidal ideations. What were some of the medications you were taking? Nortriptyline, venlafaxine, Prozac, Zoloft, Trazodone. Um, it's a nice cocktail. Yeah, I mean, okay. can, so yeah. option one, you can get these medications from? The VA, and that's okay. the thing. When they do what they do to me, what they do to my brothers and sisters, you know what I had to do? I had to then come off them because they're making me even more rageful, more angry, more suicidal. So then coming off them is a lose-lose anyway. Yep. Which is, and then from there you can pivot to cannabis, but then there's 
you know, you run the risk of getting drug tested. You know, I have this honorable career. You know, if they randomly drug test me, what's going to happen? I'm going to ruin everything and lose everything. Yeah. So it's you're pigeonholed. You have to pay, and that's what essentially I, I did. There, you know, when I when I met her, I was completely off everything, which would made it you know su- such a nightmare. And so um, it was, I believe, the summer of 2012. Um, and I was working at home. You're awarded a work at home if you're, you know, the top, you know, 1%. And, you know, I'm making all that money, house, everything that I dreamed of, you know, coming coming up, you know, off the street, um, I had. But this particular day, you know, I was right at the point where I was going to do it. And then she came home and we got in kind of some argument. And I told her, I said, you know what? you're going to come home and I'm going to blow my brains out. And when you come home, there's going to be all over the wall. And, and at this point in time, moment, you were fighting, you were basically fighting with her or is it? It was something? just a verbal art. It was like PTSD and the anger becomes behind it. It's like at any moment you can just get pissed off or any little yeah. thing. Easy you know? to snap. And it was never physical or violent, but it was just, you know, kind of tit for tat. And so with that, I made that comment to her. And as you can imagine, you know, someone being told that and understanding that I do have the weapon, I do have that, she gave me an ultimatum. You know, she said, Jose, I love you so much, but I can't hold the pressure of coming home or my son coming home. And you doing something like that, she's like, I've done everything I can to help you. You know, I'll stay with you the rest of your life, but you either have to commit to going to the VA or, you know, I got to go. That's crazy. And so I, you just you I, just went and fought a war. Right. You come back, and now all of a sudden you start having these issues, right. and now you end up possibly losing you know your family mm-hmm. uh, over something like that. So listen, let's take a quick break, real quick. I just want to go to a quick quick break, and uh, we'll be back in about in about a minute. And actually, during this break, instead of making it a commercial break, I think what would be really interesting is showing a, yeah. a, a video segment on you oh, and a little bit go. about your story. It's go, about sir. five minutes long, so Cannabis Life Radio, if you're watching now, we're going to be showing a five-minute segment on Jose Belen. Stay tuned, and we'll be back uh, here right after this video. Well, today we have our first oral arguments. Uh, I am part of the federal lawsuit to deschedule cannabis, suing Jeff Sessions, the Department of Justice, uh, Robert Patterson, which is the acting administrator of the DEA. We're also suing the DEA and the United States of America to deschedule cannabis and essentially end prohibition. Um, There's too much suffering. Uh, There's too many children as we speak now. There are too many veterans uh, today, for example, that, you know, unfortunately every 90 minutes are going to commit suicide. And a good number of those veterans uh, committing suicide, like me, are because they're tired of the system. You know, there's a lot of optimism here because the plaintiffs, I call us the Justice League, we're all coming from different angles. You know, you have an honorable man in Marvin Washington who played football. You know, you have a 12-year-old girl with epilepsy. You have a six-year-old boy with Lay's disease who's on hospice. You have a combat veteran with PTSD. You know, you have Canaculture Association. So we're all coming, you know, as, as one, you know, and, and attacking pretty hard. The significance of um, today is that the people will be heard, um, the voiceless. You know, America has, um, you know, people that essentially on a daily basis wake up you know, going through a myriad of 
um, pain, which are, whether it's psychological, physical, and they don't have access to cannabis because it's currently scheduled as, as a drug. So they'd have to go out on the limb to face jail time, whatever the case may be, to get access to a medicine that, that works. Well, I tell you what, one thing I, I need to put out there a thousand millions percent is uh, Green Rose. If it wasn't for them, you know, we more than likely wouldn't be here. You know, stepped in immediately, took care, you know, of our travel without, you know, questions asked. So, you know, Green Rose um, will always have a place in our heart. You know, they're a leader, being led by Arby. You know, beautiful soul, dear friend of mine. Always has kept it 100. Um, you know, told me if I ever needed assistance from Green Rose, called upon it. Done. So, shout out to Green Rose. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. No problem. Thank you guys, man. You didn't have to come in, you know, to, to do this. But again, the message is necessary.
watch out for stand up, call out for get up, cause united we stand the bike, we fall and we love. Walk with the prince of peace, till I see a leader. Jose is a United States Army combat veteran. He is a founder of Mission Zero, which is an organization dedicated to ending veteran suicide. And he is one of the five advocates suing Jeff Sessions and the DEA over marijuana Schedule One status. Jose, before we went to commercial break, we were discussing, you know, the the options that you have. Basically, you you know, you went to combat, um, you went to combat, you came back. And you were talking about the options that you have once you do come back. Uh, and at this point, you've seen a lot. You've done a lot. You had a lot of different experiences. So tell our viewers again, what are, the, what are these options that you have once you return 
uh, to get back into a normal life, to ba- back into society. Or try to get back into society, basically, because I, it's, it's, I know it's a really rough uh, thing to do so, and I think that's what's really gotten you here is, right. is listening to other combat veterans and where they're at um, in their lives. And I know that um, we're, we're going to be doing a couple things in the near future where you'll possibly uh, go and see these veterans or visit a family that – uh, might have lost a loved one due to suicide yeah. and we want to really bring this story out to people so people could get emotionally attached to it right. because we could talk about it um as much as we can but the fact is is that people need to associate yeah. to you know something that happened raw and the, that raw emotion bringing that raw emotion to someone and then go back to veterans that you're helping today which is huge because I know that you put in your time. I know you drove down, I uh, you know, to stay down here and get in, and join us, and we really appreciate that. And I've seen you everywhere uh, from since when we started and we first met. And I congratulate you because there's a lot, you know, it takes a lot to do that, mm. um, and really to tie back into, uh, you know, almost re-going through that and explaining that. Uh, to veterans that are having a hard time that have that PTSD. But what we want to really talk about a little bit right now is what are the medications that you were on? And I I read it and and we've talked about it. You know, how did those medications at the VA, knowing or unknowing, uh, because we're not going to go on on blaming anybody, but the fact is is that, you know, uh, I know there's other ways of uh, that they're trying to help a PTSD is almost trying to get that, those those emotions. Yeah. Um, and uh, I saw that their success rate's about 30% where they actually have uh, the veterans go through what they've seen and why they're yeah. going through that PTSD. Yeah. But that's not made for everyone. Yeah. Just like cannabis might not be made for everyone. Uh, maybe like CBD is not made for everyone. Uh, some people might need those pharmaceutical uh, uh, drugs to, to get through, and, and, and God bless if they were able to get through it. But for you, it didn't work. It's just like every pill um, or, ev- or cannabis might not work for everyone, but the fact is is if we could save someone, yep. that's the most important thing. So what, why don't we tell the listeners about what, what were you on and what it did to you mentally? One thing that's important to know is that each veteran's story and experience is different. Some of my brothers use their medicine from the VA and it works. Some of them have no issue whatsoever and don't have PTSD. Some have PTSD and some have ended their lives. You know, so it's important to note that my story is not um, I don't look at it as the best story out there. Or to the cure all, you're not the, you're not the end all be all. You're just telling the one your specific experience about it. And I want my brothers and sisters to feel empowered to tell their stories because everyone's story matters, better or not. We're, and we're gonna we're gonna bring those stories to you as as we right. move forward, and and we're we're gonna do a lot of educating on that side right. because it's, there's no way that this should not be a topic on the news of how veterans are taking their lives. This should be frontline news. Mm-hmm. And it just like the opiate epidemic now, they're starting to you know, realize um, you know, the dangers of being addicted to that type mm-hmm. of drug um, and other drugs um, that uh, cause more of an emotional effect, especially when that addiction starts mm-hmm. setting in. So, so we all know it's not one all be all. Right. It's, it's, uh, it, every medication, things fit, fit people differently. Yep. How did that medication make you feel and how, where did it take you to where you finally realized, you know what, maybe this plant's the one that's going to end up helping me? Um, it was a scary ride. Um, 
Venlafaxine and nortriptyline were the ones that they prescribed in the fall of 2016, which put me at the climax of my PTSD fight. Um, I was just, I liken it to the Hulk, you know, they just, the anger that you hold inside, the rage and all that stuff, it's just right there present, you know. The and you noticed it. Yeah, and the thing is, at that point, I had to believe that these medicines are working because this was my last hope. Like, if these don't work, then I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm more than likely going to check out because I, as we discussed during break, when you're understanding that this is the rest of your life in a way, if there's no there's no technology or nothing introduced right now in the moment that can change this for me. And so, you know, when that happens, you, you run out of hope. So venlafaxine and nortriptyline, um, you know, caused me to think about suicide 24-7. I had to take my, you know, pistol, you know, that I had um, in the closet and just literally give my wife um, the firearm because I would be laying in bed. My pistol would be in the closet. You wake up and you start thinking about just ending your life because one of the side effects of the, you know, one of the medicines is that you have like an alternate reality experience. You know, that you'll even argue facts. You know, and I'm hiding this as best as I can from the, the wife. You know, I'm not going to tell her, you know. So wait a minute, wait a minute. To take this back a little bit, it, what does that drug do? It gives you like a false sense of, you know, belief or, or reality. You know, like you live, you can possibly live in your own, you know, world. So you're drugged think, up basically? Yeah, like you think that, and it creeps up on you. You know, and that was the struggle with Danielle. You know, she's like, where in the hell is this coming from? Where's this thought coming from? It's just... It accelerates the irrational thinking. Mm. You know, those thoughts that come in. And you can't control them. No. And that's a scary thing. And it creeps up on you. It, it creeped up on me. And Danielle started saying, Jose, these, they're not working. But I'd argue and say they are working. Give it more time. Give it more time. Because, again, it's like if these aren't working, fuck. You know? I, I, and not even that. I mean, that again, that comes from a doctor. Mm -hmm. They're going to say that this is going to help. Right. And in your mind, obviously, hey, they're, they're, they're taking care of me. This is going to help me. Right. But then when do you start seeing that ch that turn? Um, was it your wife, your family that's finally s yeah. saying that this is not working? This is not what, you know, the Jose uh, Belen that I know that I got married to right. um, and built a family on. W when did you start seeing that change and, and how quickly? It was none of those because it was when I was alone the thoughts that I would have were clearly not okay. And it was just a constant thought when I'm driving, let me flip my car, let me drive and, you know, just, um, and so it was, you know, just all bad. And I had to be honest, not only with myself, but for, you know, the wife and the kids. So it was really me kind of like turning yourself in, you know what I'm saying? And that's what I did to my wife. I said, listen, this is what's happening you know, and this is the reality. And from there, that's how we went back to the VA because. And what did you know, the, the what, what did the VA say at that point? Like when when <laughs> they said that uh, they shouldn't have put me on those two pills. They shouldn't have. They shouldn't have that. They were that's sorry. Nice. That's yeah. nice. I'm sorry. You shouldn't have been mm -hmm. on these pills. But yeah, it was just kind of like a blase, blase. Oh, you know, we should have never put you on these. It was like um, pouring gasoline on a fire. You know, to where my wife, you know, um, kind of went off and said, you know, you're sorry if you had access to a firearm, we wouldn't even be here, you wow. know, or God knows what else. So, you know.
know, was just really all bad. Because then from there, they say, oh, we got to take you off of these immediately. We got to put you on another one, but we got to wait a week to for that one to get in your system because we got to flush these two out. So, so your I, wife was basically on call to make sure that yeah. my husband's good. That's, I need to make sure to baby, you know, ba- basically baby him, make sure that he doesn't do anything that's and hurting himself. Well, that's the thing. The um, and I talked about this in the Herb article. Shout out to Herb. Um, Definitely, know. I want I want people to know that, and I and I, I want go to herb.co and look at the interview uh, that they did with Jose. Um, it's there. I think it's on the first page. If not, just search on herb.co. They did an amazing job um, coming down here and interviewing you and your family. Right. Uh, and uh, and actually ended up go- did they go to New York with you? I know our guys went to New York with you, but did Herb also go? Um, Herb, um, no, they they weren't in New York. Um, they actually did it. They were on location. They were here in location. They, yeah, we shot for like eight hours and just had an awesome time. They, they did a great job. I, I read it and it was an amazing job yeah. what they did with you guys. Yeah, you know, so in Herb, I went into detail because what I say now is um, I've told my story, but people don't know my story. Mm-hmm. You know, th- really what was it like at that time? And I opened up in the Herb um, article on the you know particular incident that led us to have to go get help immediately, and you know it was just one morning I had decided you know it's over you know for me, you know I started uh, grilling um, at like eight in the morning because the Giants were gonna they were playing in London. I was watching that you're like a Giants fan and with the Rams. Yeah, so <laughs> you know, and then I had a bottle of whiskey there, you know, and this is the pills again, you know. And, and probably so, mixing those pills with those yeah. with that was probably just And Danielle's sleeping. You know, so I drove to my mother's house because uh, my daughter um, spent the night there, and I actually, you know, kissed my daughter goodbye essentially because I didn't know, you know, how this would play out, but. I drove there, you know, my mom was like, it was like 7 in the morning, you know, I'm like, I got to run errands, keep her here, you know, and then I went back home, and um, from there got to the point where my best friend and my brother had to get me out of the house, Um, thank God I had no firearms, you know, and that's what led to going to the VA and finding out those two pills were misprescribed. Wow, that's you know. that's uh well I mean it's yeah. it, and that's a problem that we see with a lot of visit a guests that we have on our show is that you grow up trusting your doctor your doctor has to go through the highest level of education to be a doctor to be able to give you advice about what you should do and so it just so happens that majority of the guests that we have that are dealing with some of these issues these opioid addicts yeah. these these people that are dealing with the condition uh, it ends up always nine times out of ten that they were they were just prescribed the wrong thing, or they were prescribed it in the wrong dosages, and or the, the side or the, effects, or the were, mixture between one pill and the other pill causes a certain effect. Causes a different reaction. That oh, oh, I'm so sorry, we didn't, we didn't really know. And, and, and then don't have alcohol because that just takes that just adds. <laughs> right. Well, and then the worst the part fire. is, well, the worst part is, is that so it sounds like Jose, you're taking these medications which your doctor is telling you are going to help you. Mm-hmm. You're taking these medications, and as you're taking them, they're making it worse. Yeah. But then, as you try to get off of the medications, that even amplifies it, makes it even worse when yeah. you try to get off of them. So, uh-huh. these medications, not only are they being misprescribed to you, the dosages are, are maybe wrong or whatever. The entire prescription process is wrong for Jose. And then now, when he's trying to get off of it, it makes it even harder. It makes it even worse symptoms, worse well, that, thoughts. That was. 
petrifying coming off of those because the day after we left the VA um, that they said stop taking these immediately, um, they forgot to tell me that I was going to go through a physical withdrawal Ooh. and a mental withdrawal. And I don't know if you Not watch Intervention, yeah. but it's horrible because one side of your mind is telling you you're crazy, the other side you're fine, you're physically thrown. I mean, it's just bad. This is where the tattoo of the Joker has come from because every time I close my eyes during that withdrawal period, I seen that. And wow. I felt like this was me. At the, it's just so bad, you know. And, you know, the decision was made at that time once I called the VA and they said, oh, you're going to go through this for the next week or so, you know, but we'll flush it out. You can come here and, and uh, we'll monitor you, which means, you know, they'll probably Baker Act you or whatever. Yeah. Um, they got to get you clean off of that to, to yeah. try to get you on something different. And I white knuckled it, you know, I went through the withdrawal. Um, you know, it was, it was messed up because, uh, you know, I, in the middle of traffic, start crying, thinking of things and, you know, in the middle of the night, wake up, you know, for example, there was a Saturday night, I tried to wake Danielle up, but she takes prescribed sleep and med. I, only thing I had was to call the suicide, you know, veteran suicide hotline. That was either that or 911. You know, I don't want to, wow. you know, so that's what led to Mission Zero because there's, there's a lot of resources out there, but it's like trial by error. You don't find out about them until you're at the point of suicide. And, so, and I, that's why we want to circumvent that and have the resources immediately. Yeah, we need to, we need um, to reach out to the veterans as quickly yeah. as possible. There's got to be a, a better way right. to, to get that done. And then you go through this. What what guided you into, you know what, I'm going to try cannabis? Was it something that you got, you were educating yourself on? Was it something that you tried um, uh, was it something that you read up and said, well, wow, I worked for this person. Now let me see if it works for me. Because um, I know you're a red card holder here in the state of Florida. Yeah. Um, I know we've had Steve Garrison Sr. who's trying to grow a nursery here in Florida. He lost his son. Uh, he comes from a generation of right. serving this country. Um, and uh, his son passed away three months ago uh, from an enlarged heart from drinking and Ambien. Um, and uh, shout out to him and our prayers go out to his yeah, family because yeah. he's he's trying to do so much uh, to be part of this industry. He's an ex uh, police officer chief from uh, from Atlanta from uh, Atlanta, and he's here in Florida. Has all the requirements, and uh, be, he wish he would have been able to have the opportunity to be able to provide his son with cannabis instead of all the drugs that they were giving them. But a lot of veterans go through the, the fear of losing their, you know, losing their benefits mm -hmm. and uh, possibly losing their firearm. So where do you stand on that? And, and, and what do you think can be done besides, uh, obviously we know we need to, to educate our legislators, but what can we do um, besides going to New York, having this lawsuit, which is an amazing thing that you're doing, to be able to provide access to everyone, not just veterans, but to everyone. Um, you're in this fight, and you're fighting it well. And um, obviously, you have our full backing on that. Uh, that's why we had our camera crew out there with you. Um, where do you stand on that? Because obviously, um, you know, you are using cannabis right now as a red card. Mm -hmm. um, and how does that make you feel? How does that get you through the day? Um, because I've seen the change in you myself. 
um, in the last, uh, I would say, about seven or eight months. Right. I've seen a huge change in you, and, and I applaud you, and, and I'm, I thank you, and I'm glad you got your wife next to you, and she's helping you out, and she's really pushing. What finally pulled that trigger where you're like, you know what, this is what I'm going to try, um, you know, possibly maybe my last hope um, to yeah. try this to see if I could get uh, through life because you, you have a beautiful a beautiful family. Um, and and uh, people don't realize when there's 22 uh, veterans that commit suicide, it's just not those 22 people. It's uh, and you you've shown me the families that it affects. Mm -hmm. um, it just doesn't affect one person. Mm -hmm. It affects an array of pers uh, of people, um, and and that's hurtful because you guys went out there uh, because you guys uh, you become you became part of the army. You went out there. You fought for what you thought was the right cause, or is was the right cause. Right. Um, people have different opinions. But the fact is is that now you're on cannabis. Uh, are you on any other pharmaceutical medications right now? I take um, the Motrogen. That's the only thing I'm on right now, okay. Motrogen, because I'm afraid to come off. Because if I come off, I'm going to have to go through that, which is CBD, from what I understand, is something that's going to help me through that. We will definitely help you out with that. <laughs> you know, so the the cannabis use for me has always been there. I, I started smoking cannabis um, at 12 years old in New York, my first day of sixth grade. And growing up in a household full of abuse, of psychological, emotional abuse, um, you want to leave your home to find comfort and healing somewhere else. So I used to, you know, use cannabis as a teenager as a coping, you know, mechanism even back then. I just broke ties with it when I joined the military because that's what you got to do. You, know, you swear an oath. Um, so my use has always been intermittent because it's been, you know, use the prescribed pills because these are going to help come off or use cannabis. But use cannabis, again, I risk, and this is back in New York when I first come home. I get caught with a few ounces. It's over. Yeah. You know, so I played through that for, you know, till 2014, 20 is when I started just kind of starting to not, you know, run out of F's, you know, and just using more and more. And then um, 2016, when I was, you know, back working at home, you know, it just depended, you know, if, if I would be willing to drive yeah. to the black market or yeah. not. Um, willing to roll that dice because that's, if you that's get how over, it is. you go to jail. That's how it is, you know. And so um, cannabis for me, once I resigned from my corporate career last year, it was just I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be free about it. You know, it's just, this is just the way that it is. Um, and for the most part, that's how I've been running it anyway, you know. But how do the how do the other uh, uh, brothers and sisters that you serve with, first, how do they feel about it? Mm -hmm. And then second of all, you making that decision and being in up front. Yeah. Um, do you have any fear, or any repercussions from, you know, standing out and trying to represent those, those veterans? Because I know there's a lot of veterans that are in the mm -hmm. closet. Right. So I call it the cannabis closet. You know, how do they feel and do, are you seeing more people trying to really be a part of this and show that this is an alternative? Um, I have had one negative interaction with a vet and it happens to be a vet that I served in combat with. Um, outside of that, I haven't encountered a vet that's anti-cannabis or, or not in support of having access, you know, to it. So um, to those, to each, you know, their own. Uh, absolutely. You know, and I just know for me in my case, you know, I had a stellar career in corporate America, but I was introduced to the cannabis industry in June. 
and look at the growth that Mission Zero has accumulated. <laughs> Amazing. That, so, but that's the proof positive of what cannabis is able to do for somebody. You know, I was I was successful in corporate America. You know, but I still kind of, you know, was amongst the the mix. You know, but coming into another space using cannabis and using that laser focus and look at what empowerment does for a vet you know, that uses cannabis. This is an accelerator. You know, this doesn't, you know, cause you to, to go back. So um, I've never had fear of much. Um, you know, I've always stood up for the disabled, I, for the bullies. I've always stood I didn't care before who, you know, in the name of justice. You just, you just need to do what's right. There's no reason for you to hurt things or be negative. So um, if I feel that my people are being hurt, you know, I'm going to stand up for their rights, no different than Martin Luther King or Mahatma Gandhi. You know, those people stood for their people and for justice. And so same thing with Iraq. I went to liberate the oppressed. You know, that's why I hate when people are mean to Muslims. You know, it's like, God damn, I, I helped liberate these people to even be here. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Don't yeah. do that. You know, so and with that, you know, you put your country on your back and, you know, every American on this country. That's why I try to interact positively with any american i meet because i would have died for you you know so people don't get that though that right. that's the crazy part is that because we we go to our jobs every day right. you know we drive down the street freedom freedom Free, full we have, freedom we whatever we full, want when we want yeah, how we want and don't cra- realize it, it's yeah. crazy people like jose that yeah. sacrificed their life their time yeah. their families lives their resources yeah. for our chance to have our yeah. freedom but we're using our freedom that's true maybe not the best way sometimes well i i, I agree with that we might not be using it uh the right way at times but the fact is is that without people like jose and his brothers and sisters there's a it, it could be worse you know it could be way it could be way worse and yeah. they're willing to go out there and for for if people not everybody agrees we all understand that but the fact is is that they are going out there and their mentality is is that I'm fighting for the freedom of our country and that's why I'm doing what I'm doing now I'm fighting for the freedom of my people I'm and he still and it here. sounds like you're still sacrificing some things because like you said you're losing relationships now with yeah. people that don't maybe believe in the same thing that you stand for yeah. but like we were kind of talking about at the break it's unfortunate that that, that that's happening because yeah. you don't see People, if you're not being directly, um, if there's not a direct result happening to you, right. then you don't see the benefits of the plant of right. cannabis. You don't, you're not on the same mission that maybe the rest of us are right. on the same mission, educating people about cannabis. And yeah. if, again, if you're not dealing with something directly, or you don't have a family member dealing with something directly, then you but either that's, don't care that, or that, you, that's the worst part. Yep. is the fact that a lot of people that we've met over. The five and a half, six years that we've been in business, uh, in the beginning, we're like, no, 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 that's that's no good. And then all of a sudden, God forbid, a family member gets sick, and then they make that phone call uh, to us um, to yeah. to try to help in any which way, whether it's recommending a doctor uh, like Dr. Eric Elbert um, or other doctors, Dr. Michelle Weiner, yeah. or people that prescribe or re- I mean, not prescribe, recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't come here. They don't come until somebody in their family is sick, and and that's the sad part because um, you're not going to call you're in ABC Liquors to go get a bottle. Mm-hmm. Um, you're 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 looking to help this person with something that's an alternative, um, and and that's the key is that we shouldn't have that these laws and these walls in front of us when this is an option. Um, it has killed. No one. We lose 80,000 people a year, 
towards alcoholism. We have tobacco. We have um, all you know pharmaceutical drugs. Mm-hmm. Three thousand people die a year of aspirin. For God's sakes, well, you know, and and that's no crazy more Motrin for you, Jose. No, we gotta get you on some <laughs> green roads. Get that Motrin out of here, man. The the <laughs> thing is, is that you know, veterans, we don't ask for nothing. You know, we don't ask you to feel sorry for us. We don't, you know, need the thank yous because we did it for you. You know, but if we are asking for something, you know what I'm saying? Open your mind because that's that's very difficult we don't like to ask so all we're asking in this case is compassionate access to another treatment option as should a you know child with lace disease like you know jagger cot or alexis bortel my fellow plaintiffs with epilepsy you know these are drivers for that you know and as far as mission zero is concerned you know we need to impact veteran suicide in a way that it's never been impacted before we need to you know, we advocate for any responsible holistic treatment, you know, because at the end of the day, my responsibility at this time is to leave this earth with zero veteran suicides. You know, God and bless. if I don't, God bless that. God bless. you know, the vision never dies. You know, if I don't, in this generation, it doesn't happen, maybe, you know, my grandkids, but the seed has been planted and will never stop. And if that means that I have to stand and sue the federal government, God damn right I will, because, you know, I'm a defender of freedom. You know, and, and we all inherit the right to be free and pain-free. Yeah. I, I, so, I mean, I agree. Go yeah, ahead. I, c- I couldn't agree more. Jose, so you, when you were – you have these medications. You're going through these setbacks, these, these thoughts of suicide, mm-hmm. these, these episodes of rage. You then decide to take cannabis. Right. How does it change? Um, I found my smile again. You know, that's something that, um, you know, I, I can honestly say – to, to feel uh, the feeling of emotion, just love and happiness, um, being able to sleep, be the husband I was always meant to be, the father. Um, and I'm just able to say I'm happy and mean it because birthdays didn't matter, celebrations didn't matter. You'd find me alone in the back room while everyone um, is celebrating. But now I'm I'm in there, I'm interactive, you know, I'm out in the public, I'm smiling. And it's because cannabis has helped me um, clear those thoughts. You know, this is why I always, you know, say we need to change society's view on veterans, you know. Can you imagine how effective a veteran would be if he's off these medicines using cannabis and clear-minded? I mean, there's I mean, nothing more nothing. nothing more effective than a veteran who's mission-focused. You want to increase your, you know, the the bottom line. Hire a group of vets that are clean off all these poisons. Yeah. You know, and and that's what Mission Zero aims to do is let's you know arm us to defend against these pills. That's that's so huge. That that that's, is that that's and exactly very well said. And very, very well that's ex- said. it's it's incredible. I mean, it's just like uh, you know we have Trey Jarrell. You know we have Danny Silva. That's an MMA fighter. You see these guys that train. You know and and have been athletes. And this is what they do. They train. So when they believe in something, it's so huge because they they don't they they just don't stop. They're they're born winners. Because they've been either, I mean, obviously it doesn't compare to anything that has to do with veterans in reference to the, the, you know, what they're trying to do. But when you're a competitor or you're in a, put in a position to succeed in everything that you need to do and, and their life's at risk, that's the difference between the other two, like Atreus Jarrell or something like that. Um, you know, we need to provide them when they come back 
with the best alternative. If they're willing to go and risk their lives, why are we eliminating an angle that might save them? Yeah. I mean, really wrap your head around the fact that 22 veterans commit suicide a day. It's probably more than that. And, and, and they probably yeah. hide the oh, numbers yeah. on that. But you know what? 22 right. veterans mm -hmm. a day commit suicide. That, that is absolutely – and more women um, – and there's less women um, in, in, in armed forces. And the number is more yeah. for women than it is for men. Wow. Believe it or not. And it's unfortunate that, like you said earlier, you're, you just came back from fighting for your country. Yeah. And you have to make a decision, law versus life, That's which right. is somebody I discussed with last night, Darren Stephen Miller. Uh, you know, he was a stage four lung cancer patient, mm -hmm. not a veteran, not, none, none of these things, but yeah. similar situation was coming. Was told that he was going to die. Was yeah. told that he was going to die, but he couldn't, and he wanted to try medicine. He wanted to try to medicate with cannabis, right. and he had to decide law versus life. And in your scenario, it sounds like these these veterans mm -hmm. who are who have you know, they built their entire life on representing this country, right. law-abiding citizens have to decide law versus life. Are you going to make right, a decision right. to try something new that maybe is not legal yeah. uh, to save your life? And it sounds like you did just that. Yeah, that's, you know, at the end of the day, who's going to do it for you? The government clearly is not trying to push you in the right direction. When you, now that you're, you're not on medications now, it mm -hmm. sounds like, not on the heavy mm -hmm. medications that you were on I before, I could assume, or our viewers could maybe assume, you may still have some setbacks or some episodes or mm -hmm. episodes of rage. How do you deal with those? Now, in fact, one of our, one of our most uh, – uh, Richard Neal, one of our most advocate viewers on Cannabis Life Radio, shout out Richard Neal. He actually is asking, how does Jose now deal with some of the mm -hmm. setbacks that he's had in the past using cannabis? Right. The important thing is cannabis isn't the cure-all for PTSD. Um, I still suffer every day. That's the importance of picking my brothers up, you know, and lifting each other up because just as much as I'm out there helping all my brothers come up, I we need each other. You know what I'm saying? And so, so you're still fighting the fight. You're still oh, having episodes. That you're doesn't still, go away. It doesn't, no. never goes well, that's away. why I say mission zero is at ground zero, you know, because it's still every day I'm locked in. You know, that's why you guys see me here, 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 you know, hungry. So... Um, cannabis, um, for me has allowed me when, here's an example. Um, I watched a seven year old girl die in front of me, um, was right there, you know, with my guys when we closed our eyes. And that was a situation where when I was there, I told the two soldiers next to me, get over it, you know? And I remember telling myself, I'll deal with this when I get home, just put it back in, in your mind. And it didn't, you know, come up and blow up in my mind until about six months ago. My daughter had her first um, dentist visit, and I had to lay her on the table. What do you think I saw at that I moment? I can't even imagine. And, I got the chills, man. I got the chills. I texted my wife, and I said, I can never do this again. Because the girl that died in front of me had a dress on just like my daughter. Because she, you know... Unfortunately, and we killed her whole her brothers and little sisters, you know, that were in the car. And so when I seen that, immediately panic attack type situation, and I had to medicate. And the reality is now I'm always um, in fear that my daughter will die because I know children will die at any moment. You know, so every day I'm hyper paranoid that if she leaves with my wife, they're both going to get in an accident and die. 
talk about her trigger every day. And then besides that, just the sight of my daughter. I, I can't, she can't lay down at home in front of me anymore. I can't. Um, anytime I see a little girl that resembles, you know, so now what's happening, I go back there for a second multiple times throughout the day as much as I understand cognitively that that's not reality, but the haunting is still there. So cannabis allows me to go through those moments throughout the day without breaking down and crying or without you know, taking it out on my wife or ruining a day. It allows me to understand it, process it, but, you know, put it where, you know, in the memory bank, you know, I've, I've prayed about it. And cannabis, due to our endocannabinoid system, heals us. So when you have it in your system, you find a way to block those thoughts, but also feel emotion. Well, you feel a, you feel a balance. You, you yeah. find homeostasis, yes. and that's the balance in the mm -hmm. body. And, uh, you know, that's exactly what cannabis and mm -hmm. CBD is able to do for, for anyone, because every mammal has an endocannabinoid system. And so you sound, it sounds like you, although are still on cannabis, and you're not on these medications, which is fantastic, you still have these episodes. You still have these thoughts every single day. You're living with them every day. But when you do have them, you medicate, and it helps. Yeah, and some days are better than others. It, it really, for me, it depends on how my sleep pattern is because the, the dreams are they're hyper real. It's like I can, if I get shot in a dream, I feel, it's like I don't feel the physical pain, but it's the emotion, oh, my God, I'm about That's to way die. Worse. And so when I wake up, I'm already waking up as if, I process that I was just shot and I'm about to die, you know. So I, if you wake up like that, generally you're not going to go back to bed. So in some days I'm up at 3.30 in the morning and now my whole day is, is shit. I got a string of meetings, you know, and so cannabis again, you know, I'll medicate at 3.30 in the morning to try to go to sleep. And it that's what it does. You know, it allows me to lay back down, close my eyes and drift back off without being up for 13 hours yeah you know what i'm saying so that's just a way to put it in perspective wow wow and that, that's why that's why we need to um again just create those stories stories that one episode one episode two where jose um we go and we meet a family of a loved one that that you know somebody that has lost a loved one so we could really show more show more we got to show the people that it's not directly affecting right now that they can still help for the people that are being directly well, affected that, we got to go the, past that's, the number we yeah. have to go past 22 22 needs to go away and tuck it somewhere and we need to go past that number and we need to look at the family angle you yep. know not 22 if the, there's a family of 4 you know, you just There's lost four the vet, plus the then mommy, next, yeah, and, you yeah, know, yeah. daddy, and then, yeah, you know, and so. th and that's huge. I mean, and I think that's one of the things that we're definitely going to be doing. And I talked to your wife Danielle and and uh, Jose, and and we've this has been a plan since Jamaica, and and we've been trying to you know just gather everything. We're moving to a you know facility, a bigger facility, so we have that opportunity to bring people's stories forward. Because the fact is, is that it was powerful when uh, Jose and the veterans, uh, Marvin Washington, um, Alex, and all, you know, everybody w that went there to in the lawsuit against Jeff Session. And the judge basically said, you know, you can't ignore uh, the quality of people that are in this courtroom and tell me that cannabis doesn't have a medicinal uh, purpose to it or has an opportunity to provide a, med a medicine yeah. to, to, to veterans. Um, and, and that's really what we need to get to. We need to be able to provide, you know, any 
a choice. You have a choice um, to be able to, or if you want to get on meds, this is your meds. If you want to, you know, try cannabis, try cannabis. The fact is, is that it does kill no one. It's all about the money right now. And that's the scary part is that the, the money is controlling people like Jose and millions, every, more. millions more, whether it's opiates or heroin or anything else, um, is controlling uh, giving somebody an opportunity to feel healthier or be able to get through life and go to work and take care of their families and, and really uh, be in tune with their family with their, when they're with them. Because I have spoken to a couple veterans and they're like walking zombies. You yeah. know, you know, you get a couple minutes out of them, but really at the end, you don't really get what they, who they are. When you see their high school picture or high school video and you see them happy, uh, jumping for joy or, or just having friends around them, veterans isolate themselves. And that's what I've learned. Um, just like, you know, somebody who is a drug addict isolates themselves um, and stuff. And that's because of the drugs. It's not because of the person. The person didn't choose to isolate themselves. They put themselves with the drugs that they're taking, and they isolate themselves. And that's why a lot of these veterans do so. Um, and, and it's a scary thought because you're, you're taking somebody that was in the front lines, uh, and speak and correct me if I'm wrong, but you're in the front lines. You're fighting every day. You're, you're, you're with, you're, you're with your, you know, army fa- your army family, and all of a sudden you come back to the States, and, uh, and they've lost that. Yeah. You know, they're, they're not in battle. They're not thinking constantly because when you're in battle, you got to be you, you can't be but not on your, you know, on your P's and Q's. So now all of a sudden you're coming back, uh, having a chance of losing your firearm like Steve Garrison's uh, son did. The reason why he didn't want to get into cannabis is because he was fr- afraid and terrified of losing his benefits yeah. or losing his firearm. Now, yeah. this is somebody that's probably slept ne- next to his firearm for 14 years. One now, the, all of a sudden, you're going to pull it away from him? You know, that, that, that's a scary thought. One of the drivers is that um, a lot of us that enter the military come from a broken home or, you know, there's not too much stability. So when we find each other, that's where the brother and sisterhood goes, and you're literally willing to take your life for them and vice versa. Once we step out, we literally are losing family. Not only that, when you're in the military, every day you feel empowered. You know, you're working towards a new rank. You're working towards the mastery of your craft, your job. And when we come out, we lose all that. So we lose our ability to feel empowered because we're overqualified for a position that we take because we may not have the education so we have to take the labor route and then we get tired of that because we know we're skilled um you know so mission zero's mantra is hope it stands for um hope opportunity um purpose and empowerment excuse me happiness opportunity purpose and empowerment because if we can give a veteran each one of those values they have the skills and the tools you know, they have happiness again. They have an opportunity. With that, we've get, given them the purpose, and now we've given them empowerment. And so, you know, I have a veteran recently that I was put in contact with, combat vet, um, who had an active plan to end his life. You know, when I was put in contact with him and I was referred to him by a good friend of his, and um, we spoke for an hour and didn't know each other, but for that hour, we understood each other immediately. Our stories were very similar. It just, 
was emotional for both of us. Then we met for coffee at Starbucks a few days later. We're there for about two hours. And, you know, by the time we walked out of there, there's this bro brotherhood to where we're doing yoga now together on Sundays. <laughs> yeah, you, you tell know, me about that. We That's text every cool. <laughs> day, how are you, brother? And we keep each other engaged because PTSD doesn't just go away. You know, so I, you know, he promised me that if it came to the point where he was suicidal again, I told him, I said, don't you do that without calling me first, man. I'll find you. I'll come to where you're at and vice versa. And at the end of the day, we just need to find each other again. And that's the importance of Mission Zero is, is that we're the vehicle, we're the driver that's on the front lines every day, you know, to reconnect us all so we can all be empowered again. Because once we're empowered, we're, we're mission-driven, clearly. So once we have something to laser focus on and, and really drive, we're going to get it done. And that's how we'll save each other. Because all he needed was a brother in his life. The question was, what's your support system, brother? And all he had, you know, some childhood best friends he was living with, we didn't have a direct connect. And, all, you know, now that we found each other, you know, and he's coming on board as a, you know, Mission Zero uh, family member, an advocate. So we're, he's going to be working with us on our initiatives. So there you go, proof positive. We brought him off the edge, gave him a purpose. Now he's a part of our family. Now he's going to help us find other brothers and be there for them. And that's the chain, you know. That's the importance of Mission Zero. It's like, you know what, we need to get into, you know, suicide prevention. You know, suicide, and that's the end result. So yeah. if we can create a, a new initiative yeah. to prevent, which is why we're, part, we're partnered up with UCF and a technology company to introduce technology into the suicide prevention space. You know, so you have to innovate. You have to diversify. You can't keep reinventing the wheel and that's yeah, what and we're right there with you i'm going to hold right. you off right there we're going to take a 30 second or minute break i got philip that wants to uh chime in so if we could get him on the phone i'm pretty sure that he's listening i'd like to close out the segment on something like that so we could have an open discussion um and uh and see where his head's at on that so you know thank you for tuning into cannabis life radio brought to you by green roads world we'll bring you right back things might get a little bit uh temperature might tune up a little bit on All right, this. it's gonna get hot in here so might might get a little hot in here uh but uh the fact is is that we're here to support our veterans we're here to support jose belen the mission zero cause and uh we'll be right back so stay tuned Jamaica, and I said, 
Welcome back. You guys are going to have to pay me more money. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't gotten a check for Cannabis Life Radio in like 14 months, man. Come on Never. Now. Never won. Never. It's Cannabis all about Life education, Radio. baby. Uh, my name's Nasser El Mula. We are back. I'm here alongside Arby Barroso and our in-studio guest, Jose Belen, who is – we actually got a caller, Jose. We've got a caller who's been uh, – who's an advocate on Cannabis Life Radio. He's tuned into our shows. Uh, Philip. What's Philip's last name? <laughs> Philip Bowles, Bowles. Uh, and Philip was. Hey, what's uh, going on, yeah. Philip? What's going how on, are you, Philip? My how you doing? Thank you first for for following oh. us and uh, and uh, tuning into us every week. Uh, I saw your comments. Obviously, uh, we do have Jose here on, on. We typically don't do this, but the fact is, is that we we want to see you know on those comments. You know, if, uh, you know, I'm going to give you the floor with with Jose here yeah. and. Uh, and then and then we'll chime in as as you know we listen to the conversation is is uh is there anything you need to talk to jose about mm-hmm. you know absolutely i want to first off thank you rb for doing what you guys and the whole green roads team you guys are absolutely amazing um i think the very first thing i want to do before i address jose is just say you know there was a new study that did come out and it does say that 20 veterans kill themselves a day versus 22 um, for me, I know in a lot of us up here in Washington State that are a part of uh, these groups and programs for um, veterans, we're really trying to emphasize that it's 20 veterans, not 22. Don't you um, think that's enough, many, though? But 
well, one's too many. You know, one's too many. But, like, everybody wants to focus on positive, and we want to continue to keep that as well. So we just want to emphasize, again, or at least up here in Washington, we're trying to kind of keep that, that trend going. That, uh, you know, although 22 is a higher number, um, you know, with the new study that was done, uh, um, it, it, it's, it's not 22, it's 20. Um, okay, and, and I so think 20, 20, 22, 20, Philip, give us, give, us give us something a little bit more than that because the difference between 22 and 20, my friend, like you said, one is enough. So I don't think that that difference yeah. is, is more so what we'd like to discuss. And, we, and again, we like want to make sure we hear everybody's opinion. This is why we live in the country yep. we live in. This is why um, Jose and, and all our veterans, we thank them just for us to have the opportunity to have these type of conversations and have the right um, to, to go online and, and to go to, to court. And uh, like now we'll be in Nebraska on the, uh, the 8th and 9th uh, to be able to stand up uh, for, for this type of industry and, and fly around the country and right. educate our legislators. Right. And, 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 and I think, again, I mean, that's one of the things I just wanted to kind of throw out there. Jose, though. Um, you know, hey, Jose, how are you? I want to first thank you for pursuing suing Jeff. I mean, despite uh, uh, some of my questions and, and maybe some of my differences, um, you know, I, I think that no matter what, that takes a lot of balls and gumption <laughs> and a lot of, you know, and, uh, uh, intestinal fortitude. And, you know, thank you for doing that um, just, just on my behalf and, and, and those that kind of, you know, run with me. Um, but I do want to know, I want to ask just very basic questions, Jose. So, um, how many times did you deploy? Once. Okay. And from what year to what year? Uh, May 2003, and then left Iraq in July 2004. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. And do you have a VA rating for PTSD? Yep, 70%. Very nice, very nice. Mm -hmm. And what, what is your, when you say, you know, earlier you were discussing that, you said in the combat that, mm -hmm. you, that, that men, um, um, turn cold and, and veterans have to turn cold mm -hmm. can you kind of emphasize a little more on what you meant by that and yeah well yeah man um you know and i i say that because <clears throat> if you you've been to combat you know i've seen grown men cry when shit gets real and it's time to shoot yep. not all excuse me not all men shoot some cry right there some hide under humvees like a staff sergeant 20 years plus was hiding in a humvee while we were getting shot at, but you know what? Who was there defending me? Because I gave no fucks. And so I'm referencing myself when I say veterans turn ice cold because the only veteran I speak in regards to is myself. And so I've never addressed that all veterans are ice cold because it's just not true. I bring fact and articulation. So in regards to me, I, I know you don't know me, but there's a death dealer tattoo on my forearm, you know, any of my, I know you spoke to my chief, you know, anyone that you speak to that served with me, man, will tell you that, you know, I was about that life. It's not about, you know, thinking you're better than your other brother because you're not. There's always someone that flexes harder than you. But, um, yeah. No, no, man. no, I just wanted to mm -hmm. clarify something. And let me ask you a quick, 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 quick question, Philip, because uh, for the listeners, uh, uh, did you serve, uh, you know, this great nation or, or your... Or it was just more of like uh, you're in tune to what's going on in the battlefield, yep. or uh, are you educated on the oh, PTSD? Yeah, I joined, yep, yep. yep, I joined 2006. Uh, I did some time in a Ranger Battalion, and then went to a regular line unit, uh, a regular Striker Brigade Infantry Battalion at uh, JBLM Joint Base Lewis McCord 
out of Fort Lewis, deployed to Afghanistan, Argandab Valley, um, chaotic, ended up getting popped pretty hard, um, having to recover a year at Walter Reed, which is the Army Medical Hospital, Purple Hearts, a whole bunch of crazy stuff, ended up retiring. Um, and, and, you know, I've, I've been a huge advocate with guys like Jimmy Hatch, uh, who's, who's, who's out here, retired Navy SEAL, Don Shipley, another guy for, for things like this. And, um, you know, again, Jose, I really thank you for clarifying that. I want to ask you just to clarify maybe one, one or two other sure, things. Man. Cause I, I, I really, I really want to get behind you and I, and when I'm 50% sure. there, it's just sometimes when you read things and you don't actually talk to somebody, you know, you read things in your perception and you're really honestly right now clarifying some things that I misread, especially sure. with that statement right there. I thought you were trying to say that, you know, all veterans are these cold mm-hmm. killers. And I was like, oh, that's not how we yeah. are. But you clarified that's not what you were saying. No, we're so all thank brothers, you. I have man. another question. Yeah, no problem. And thank you for your services, by the way, Philip. Go ahead. Oh, no worries. Uh, no worries. Thank you. Thank you for caring. Um, so, Jose, with the, in regards to prescription medications and, and the VA, are you completely against prescription medications? And do you think that um, uh, um, when, with your experience, because I did listen to your story, and, and I think your journey with the VA is, is, is and I'm sure like you're sharing it, it it's it's so you it's not unique because I was like man that sounds just like me you know mm-hmm. but I, I do have to ask you this do you think that when you were drinking with the medications that you were taking do you think that affected maybe how the medications were affecting you because I remember the, you had said that thing, you had a big uh, you had a bottle with the pill right the thing is with me my father was an alcoholic and threw me down a yeah, flight of stairs. My father, no, my father wasn't a vet, but my father threw me down the stairs at about um, maybe four and hit me in the head to where I have a little scar. Um, and I tried my first sip of alcohol at about four. And so my grandfather mm-hmm. died of uh, cirrhosis of the liver. So inherently, I grew up knowing that if I kept this trend, I would be an alcoholic. So the last thing I've done my entire adult life is turn to alcohol. When I turned to alcohol, the man who, again, grew up hating alcohol for what it did to my mother, um, I knew it was bad. And so... The Army. Excuse me? I mean, you could thank the Army, too, for helping probably yeah. put fuel on that fire. I mean, if you can agree as a veteran who was in the Army, mm-hmm. I mean, remember all our balls, all our barracks parties? What did they all have, brother? What did they all have? Yeah, and that's the thing. That's the importance. When we're together... You know, when my brothers and I get together every April to celebrate my goddamn brother Stuart Moore's life, died on December 22nd, 03, we all are rated with PTSD. We're all fucked up. Some of us doing coke, some drinking, some not. Some are successful entrepreneurs. But you know what we don't have that weekend? We don't have fucking PTSD because we have each other. You know, but so, do you involve booze? I was trying to say that alcohol is a big yeah. Well, the thing is, I wasn't. You're dr- saying that you're. I wasn't drinking like that. That that's what I'm saying. I drank that summer. <clears throat> my wife can tell you, and my friends, my family. That summer, when I started to mentally, in my mind, just turn to things irrationally. This was what led me to get on the pills. Is that I was taking shots of Fireball before I even got on the pills, trying to just, I don't know where the fuck I was going. You know, so that's what led my wife and I, everyone kind of went into a panic mode because first of all, I was hiding it. I'd brush my teeth before my wife came home, but I'd be, you know, and this is before getting on the pills. So I'd already had formed, you know, somewhat of a habit 
And so when I got on the pills, the exaggeration, you know, was already there. The, yeah, and the, that mixture of pills yeah. and, and, yeah, it was, and alcohol is not so, good. So that's the, the story behind it. And I'm going personal because, again, I try to display everything 100. You know, you got to keep it 110 if you can. So that's why alcohol is so such a pivotal point. You know, I think you're amazing, and I thank you for clarifying that as no well. Problem, um, you know, I, I don't want to take up too much of your time, you know, just because I have some questions. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, again, brother, I, I thank you so much for, for being uh, on the front lines of, no of, of, of this whole this whole war with RB and, and, and the crew, man. Those guys are – dude, I mean, I, I just – I'm at a loss of words right now. Um, you won't have any more questions from me, I'll be honest. You know, they really answered the questions that I just kind of – was again raising an eyebrow to a few other people, but I mean, a few of us are actually here. And thank right. you um, for for doing what you do. And I'm actually really excited to to file and support the next time you're going to be okay. in New York. You're going to be seeing me. Awesome. Um, unfortunately, my daughter had the flu this go around. Um, a lot of kids are catching it. Couldn't make it out, but the next time uh, I'll be there, and I'm going to probably reach out to your inbox. And uh, I got a little bit of funding that I may be throwing your way. Well, and, listen, and I that's that's so important, man. I, I appreciate you coming on, and this is why. We, we we need to unify as as a group because the fact is is this is not a one person fight um and that's why we have you know Jose in in, in studios or a Cheryl or you know others that have come to visit us whether it's athletes from Treas and and other people because this this is a a world revolution when it comes down to this type of plant and having, uh, you know, uh, Philip, I know that you followed us and I appreciate you with all the support that you've done for us. And that's why we wanted to make sure that you got on the phone because I've known Jose now. It's been, what, over a year? Over a year. About, About a year, right? Getting there. Getting there. We're getting to that year. And I, I've seen his, his story and we've sat down in, in Jamaica and we've had you know an hour and a half conversation hour conversation yeah. we were kind of lost because yeah. there was a bunch of people there and and we kind of got lost in right. in in uh and talking about what our past was like um and i've never served but i did have an opiate epidemic uh, an opiate issue um you know where i had lost my family and, and a million things nothing compares to what you guys have done so thank you for your service i appreciate you listening in there's going to be a lot more things going on we're going to have a fundraise uh where we raise money for those some of the families that have lost their families uh their loved ones due to suicide um that serve this country um and what we're going to keep our listeners uh in tuned and intact for that uh so i really yeah. appreciate you taking the time to getting on the radio and kind of clearing that up with jose and also no, thank you for letting me do it rb your show is incredible you're you're a, you're a class act my friend and when you guys do that you. event please let me know i would love to donate to that um, I think that families, uh, unless the soldier is active duty, unfortunately, a lot of these families that are losing their loved ones when they've already retired or have gotten out, and, and I mean, not, not retired, but when they have gotten out, they don't get the same kind of treatment as a soldier who is active duty that kills himself. You know, they don't, they, and they don't get the, kind of the same support. So having something like that for families that are out here losing their loved ones and their loved ones have been out for some, um, some amount of years is incredible and I want to put money on that. Thank you all for having me. I'm going to go back to tuning into the show. You guys I appreciate it. Philip, thank you so yeah, much, my brother. brother. God bless you, brother. 
Wow. All right, so, yeah. so see, I mean, that's what it takes. Quick? That's how it, it takes, takes right there. You know, yeah. Philip, we really appreciate you. And, and, you know, Philip was, was, was tuning in. He was commenting and he had some thoughts that he, he wanted some answers to those questions. And we, we got him on the phone and that's we just we answered do. those questions. And I think Philip feels a lot better about some of the things that he was, uh, that were being misinterpreted. And bam, we're back on. We're well, back on. I can here. tell you right oh, wow. now, listen, mm-hmm. we're going to, we're going to continue to push forward. We're going to call it, uh, you know, show today. Um, we want to continue to push forward. Uh, so what we're going to end up doing is we want to, you know, Jose, t- tell them, tell people, yeah, tell up. people, tell people how they first could reach out to you. Okay. Um, obviously, we will be running a veterans uh, through uh, GreenRoadsWorld.com where we're raising funds. I appreciate everybody that's been able to donate for that. I think we've raised over $9,500, plus we'll be matching dollar for dollar to help EJ. And I know his mom's on, on watching us right now, so we love you, and we want to make sure that whatever we can do to make sure that, that EJ gets through this time of his life and we could watch him grow up, play some ball, do other things in the life because he is a prince. Um, so we, you know, definitely stay tuned to everything that goes on on Cannabis Life Radio. You know, follow, you know, see what Green Roads World is all about. Um, and uh, and let's continue to push forward and push for the cause, guys. We need to stand as a unified group to make sure that the government, you know, if if they don't hear from us. They will they will write laws and put things into place because nobody's talking to them. We will be in their face. We will be in legislation. We will do whatever we can to make sure that our veterans that we use cannabis as an out drug, not as uh, you know that's how you're going to get addicted. So we're going to do everything that we can through our marketing company, through Green Roads, through people like Jose Belen and his family, and through other veterans where we could bring their stories to the outright, so we could raise the funds to help these families, uh, you know, you know, heal a little bit of, of the broken heart of them losing a loved one uh, due to suicide. So, Jose, real quick, just go over where they could find you, um, what's coming up in the near future, so we can make sure that we could get people to come donate because we will be running that online to make sure to raise as much money as we can for the veterans that are committing suicide and help their families absolutely um first and foremost uh, you want to go to www.missionzero.us and zero is uh, spelled out you can get more information on mission zero and what we're doing in the community but more importantly you can engage with us if you want to volunteer if you're in another state and you want to advocate for mission zero it takes an army we have to you know do this together um, if you want to donate, if you want to help support the cause, you know, missionzero.us is, is your place. Um, you can also follow me on social media. Um, I have a public figure page, just put Jose Belen. Uh, there you can just follow the journey. Um, we're waiting on uh, the phone call of all phone calls from Judge Hellerstein to hopefully say he rules in our favor um, in regards to the lawsuit. And just to kind of put everyone's mind at ease, uh, if we have to, my lawyers have publicly stated this, we will take this to the Supreme Court so this lawsuit isn't going away anytime soon. Um, We are putting together a gal on April 21st called the Tip of the Spear. That's where we're bringing all the key influencers from the medical community, uh, political community, all the, you know, top 1% together one evening to really figure out a way to put patients first, but also to raise money, you know, for a particular So we're looking for sponsors for that. Sponsors for that. What we want to do is just get sponsors, 
uh, from now to that uh, the 20th, I want to be able to run online. Uh, you know, now that we have, you know, for EJ right now, I think I think we're good. Uh, we, we'd like to donate her the check, but I really want to get behind uh, this pre uh, event uh, with Mission Spirit Zero Gallon and Jose Belen, nice. so we could we could help the families that need it, um, that you know that are really truly suffering right now because they've lost a loved one, either that they're working, you know they might have a child uh, that they need child care for that they can't afford because their loved one's not there. Um, so so let's make sure that we get that into a plan. I really appreciate everybody tuning in today. We definitely went over, which is uh, it was and it was just it, it went really. Fast, it was honest. worth it though. Yeah, it was it worth it. So we had some fast, technical man. difficulties, but we really appreciate all of our viewers uh, staying here with us. We want to again thank you so much, Jose Belen, for coming in thank here and, you. and not you, even man. just coming in here, but continuing to share your story, continuing to put your life and put your time at risk for the rest of us that are trying to get access to this to this medication. And so, really appreciate it. And we're looking forward to seeing some of these updates for on sure. Jeff Sessions and this lawsuit. So we really appreciate that. And before yes. we go out, we. We always do Nasser. a giveaway. Nasser give, giveaway. Nasser. Nasser. Is that what we're doing? Nasser. Giveaway Nasser. Jonathan, did you come up with that giveaway Nasser? We're doing giveaway Nasser. So for our people that are tuned in right now, we always do a $500 CBD giveaway from the very best Green Roads World, sponsored by Green Roads World. Sponsored. And our giveaway winner for today, Ronald Frazier from Ronald Garden Grove, Frazier. California. Yo, Ronald. Ronald Frazier from Garden Grove, California. You are our winner for $500 worth of CBD. And uh, just go ahead and DM us uh, on Facebook, and we will go ahead and get you your winning. Absolutely. Well, listen, make sure you test your product, people. Make sure that if you're going to take CBD, you're going to take cannabis, you're going to take anything, uh, make sure you get your products tested. There's a lot of things going on right now with synthetics and CBD, a lot of it. So just do me a favor. It doesn't have to be Green Roads World, but at least if you're going to take the product, just make sure you test the products. Call, you know, go to EVO Labs or they're in Davie. Talk to Chris Martinez. Get your product tested. Know what you're consuming to make sure that the product works and it doesn't get you sick or it doesn't do something that it's not supposed to do. So reach out to EVO Lab, Chris Martinez. Let them know that Cannabis Life and Green Roads World uh, sent them your way, all right? Uh, so for everybody, Saturday, enjoy your Saturday. Enjoy a beautiful, sunny Saturday sunny florida and uh thank you for tuning in to cannabis life radio brought to you by green roads world till next time peace Thank you.